Funny thing happened to me on the way here this morning. Started last Sunday when I opened this message up to look at it. And I had a great video. I like videos. So I try to have them in my sermons. And uh, I had a good sermon. And I looked it over and began to study it and make sure that I understood what God wanted to say. And God said, I don't want you to talk about that. You don't need that video. <laughs> and I said, but I really want to use this video. <laughs> you know, like I like this video. And what I discovered was that God had a plan for this morning. And the plan was different than my plan. This morning I want to talk to you about something very, very important, singing. And I am the least likely, likely person in the world to talk about singing. Gail doesn't even let me sing in the shower, I'm so bad. <laughs> I know no music, I play no musical instruments, I've tried, but I'm, I just can't do it. And so in some ways, I'm the least likely person to preach this sermon. But it's interesting that the psalmist is talking in Psalm 9 about pain and suffering, and he tells us, he commands us to sing. And so the truth about trouble, the truth about pain, is it becomes a lot less painful when you open your lips to sing. That's what we're going to discover this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We ask that you would edit all of our thoughts, starting with me. May you speak. May you be heard. And may the body of Christ respond with obedience. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We have been working on a definition of prayer. And that definition of prayer is prayer is breathing out self and breathing in God. And we're going to continue with that theme. Sing your songs to a Zion-dwelling God. In the Hebrew, that is a command. Okay? That's not a suggestion. That's not an option. It doesn't say, women, sing your songs. I checked the Hebrew. It is all-inclusive. It means all of you men who, if you sing like me, who don't want to embarrass yourself, and yet you come to church, and you love the music, but you never open your lips. This is a command. This is something that you must do if you love the Lord. It's not an option. Now let me give you some reasons for why you want to obey that command. When I came to know Christ, I had spent 11 years with my birth family. In that 11 years, I had been physically abused, psychologically abused, and mentally abused. And in that time, my father repeatedly told me that I was not worth the air that I breathed, that my life could be ended, and he tried to kill me a number of times. And he said that if you died, no one would miss you. And so when I came to Christ, I woke up the next morning and the first thing I thought about was the same thing I had thought about my whole life. How will I end my life today? 
I thought that Christ would come in and take that away. He didn't. I struggled with that for years. And I can remember thinking that I gave my life to Jesus. So it wasn't mine to take or give. But I still thought every day about taking my life. The second thing that really, really helped me was the fact that God had put me in this foster home, the Carey foster home, and every day my foster father, Dad Carey, would get up, and when he shaved, he sang. And he had a tenor voice. And he would sing the songs of faith. And I can remember when he sang, the gloom lifted. And it happened over and over again. And after I became a Christian, in those days, and those of you who are old like me will remember this, you went to church on Wednesday night because you had prayer meeting. And the church sang. And the, the words of songs of faith helped me. And then I went to church on Sunday, and the church that I went to on Sunday morning was a church filled with about two-thirds of the Welsh choir in the city of Windsor. And need I say anything more? When they sang, you listened. I mean, it was unbelievable when they sang. And then I went away to Bible school, 1974. Some of you weren't even born then. I mean, I'm getting old. And I was a part of the biggest class in the history of that school. There were 200 freshmen that year. Almost half of the school population. And I looked around, and I thought, what do I have to give? I don't sing. I don't speak well. I'm a nothing. And that was depressing in its own right. But that school did something unique. Four days a week, we went to chapel. If you were on campus, you had to go to chapel. There were no ands or buts. And so, even though I lived off campus, I was a married student, Chapel came, I went. And 500 voices sang songs of faith. And I began to think, okay, I don't have much, Lord, but I'll give you what I have. And the gloom lifted again. Over and over and over again, it is the people of God and the voice of singing that has made a difference. When my late wife died, I preached the funeral for her. Gail talked about pastor's wife's not having a, a pastor. We didn't have a pastor. And I remember thinking, how am I going to get through this? I couldn't tell you what I preached. But I can tell you that on that day, the body of Christ sang. The body of Christ brought healing in my life by words of song. When I got cancer, I couldn't go to church one week of every three-week cycle because I had no white cells. Cold could end my life. And I videotaped my sermons, and they would show the videotape. But what I missed the most was the singing. What I missed was the people of God standing up and telling their faith in song. We were at downtown church, James Street Baptist, Grace Works. We had bipolar people, 
schizophrenic people. We had street people who would come in and just plunk themselves down. We had alcoholics and drunks that would show up on Sunday mornings. I mean, it was, <laughs> you never quite knew what you were going to get. But I got to tell you, those people would remind us the power of song. Have you ever come to church and had a terrible week and discovered that the singing helped lift the gloom? Has that ever happened to anybody here? Let me see. Let's see. Yeah, all of, almost all of us have experienced that. That's why we sing. That's why you need to add your voice. It doesn't say only sing if you can carry a tune because I can't carry a tune. I could never do what you did. I can never do what Jim does. I can never do what Zach does. But I can add my voice and my heart to singing. I mean, it is so, so very important. Zach's become your pastor of worship and discipleship. Zach is going to help you find your voice. Your voice as a congregation is immensely important because every week people come here. Every week we show up and we don't always know what each other is going through. Some of you may have lost a friend, a pet. You may have gone through a situation with one of your children and they're hurting and you're hurting. A divorce in the family. All of those things happen in all of our lives and we need to encourage each other. And song is one of the ways that we have to do that. You know, we have in our pews these things called a hymn book. This is not your voice. If you open one of these things, you'll see that there's a whole bunch of musical scholars and theological scholars who put this thing together. They're from all over North America. They know nothing about you. They know nothing about this community. They picked what they thought was musically sound, and it probably is. I'm not one to judge. But you need to know that your voice is important. The voice of this church can be so unique and so powerful in helping people grow and learn and rejoice. There are two verses I want us to look at. Ephesians 5.19. If you could bring that up. Ephesians 5.19. We got a new sound or a new guy in this in the booth today. He hasn't done it for a while, so I'm, I'm gonna challenge him. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Again, in the Greek, this is a command. This is not a wish list. This is a command. This includes every single one of us who are here, including me, who can't carry a tune in a basket. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the teaching of Christ live in you richly how does the teaching of christ live in a person richly and he goes on and he tells us how to do it use all wisdom to teach and instruct 
each other by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. That's exactly how it lives in you. You sing it. You let it out. You know, our Presbyterian friends, the real conservative ones, they only sing the psalmster. They sing the psalms and they don't have any other music. And some of them don't even use music, they just use their voices. But they sing the psalms every Sunday. When you sing, you're doing exactly this. And so I'm going to ask Zach to come to the piano. I've asked, I've shared with you what the psalm or the psalm tells you. I've shared with you the command. Will you obey? We're going to go to a song now. Uh, He's got, very good, thank you. And I would like you to just stand. And I'd like you to minister to one another. Be the church. Let's sing together. Higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power of the grave Constant in the trial and the change One thing remains Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails, never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love and on and on and on and on it goes and it overwhelms and satisfies my soul And I never ever have to be afraid Cause one thing remains This one thing remains Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up it never runs out on me your love in death in life i'm confident and covered by the power of your great love my debt is paid there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love let's just sing the voices for that one 
Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. You may be seated. So what did you just do? You've done some very important things. I want to see the slide, singing is essential, if you would. First thing you did is you were teaching. Every single one of you have been teaching. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. You said that to me, I said it to you. You know, we may have a single person here today who is extremely lonely. They've gone all week and hardly talked to anyone. And you stood up and you sang, God loves you. His love never runs, never gives up, never fails. Someone may be here today who has had some financial issues. And you feel like a failure. And you've been teaching them through song. That God's love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out. So you have been teachers this morning, every single one of you. That's the power of song. Secondly, when you sing, you grow in wisdom. What is the wisdom you grow in? You grow in the fact that you know that the next time the world just goes to hell in a handbasket, and everything is going wrong. People are losing their jobs. The economy is in the toilet. The uh, rent of your place is going up. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. The wisdom is that I face all of that with a song. I know that in the midst of that, God loves me. His love never runs out, never fails, it never gives up. I may want to give up, but he doesn't give up. You see what you're doing? You will grow in gratefulness. Joy is being grateful for God in the midst of the tornado in the midst of the hurricane, in the midst of death, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of brokenness, you will be grateful. Because what do you know? You know that God's people have been through all of that, maybe more than what you've been through. And they can still say to each other, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. You teach that. You grow in wisdom, and you're grateful. The next very important thing is, in verse 13, Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice 
in your salvation. Zach, it's not only the people here that you need to help find a voice. It's not only them you'll minister to, but singing is a powerful tool in evangelism. How many of you walk forward? This is us old people again. I'm speaking to my generation now. How many of you came forward in church to a song? Anybody? Oh, there, there, there we are. I can remember the song that I came forward to. Just as I am without one plea, I come, I come. Yeah? Okay. Those of us who are old and remember Billy Graham, Billy Graham had Cliff Barrows. Anybody here come to know Christ during a Billy Graham crusade? Cliff Barrows would sing. Yeah? And he, he brought song to us. And the non-believer often will be affected by the voice of the body of Christ in ways that preaching will never touch them. Preaching says it, song reteaches it, and hearts are changed. You never know who will walk through these doors or why they're here. There are people who will show up on a Sunday morning simply because they're in the neighborhood and they're sad. And when you sing, when this body sings and announces salvation songs, you plant seeds. You may not reap that, reap that seed today, but you're going to plant some seeds and somebody else will come along and water it and then down the road somewhere, that person will give their life to Christ. And that will change them and their families and their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Powerful, powerful truth here. So, the voice is not just Zach. It's Murray and the piano players and Jim and those of you who play guitars and the drummer and, and people who can sing and all of you together working, letting God plant a song in your heart will make a difference in the days to come. I got to tell you, the church today is in dire need of people committed to singing. I believe that churches are a mess today because they no longer sing. I believe that that is true because men who stand in congregations and who don't sing, I can predict, number one, that they will be the biggest pain in the rear end that you have ever seen. They will cause all the troubles. They're bitter. They're angry. They're spiteful. They're gossipy. You can't do that when you sing. When you put your heart into the words of song. When the scripture comes alive through music, you all of a sudden begin to let the poison out. And I believe that with all my heart. And so 
together, all of you, every single one of you is important every single week. Don't just show up here and sit and soak. Worship is not a spectator sport. It is a participatory sport. There is no reason why any one of you could not read Scripture on a Sunday morning. We won't even make you stand in the front anymore. We've got portable mics. There is no reason that if you've walked with Jesus Christ for years that you cannot pray. You don't have to pray like me or Lucas or Zach or Leona. Pray from your heart. And when people walk in the door and they see your heart out on your sleeves, when they hear your heart through your voice, they will know that Jesus is real. I got to tell you, I walk into some churches, I don't think God's been there in a hundred years. It's because they don't sing, they don't pray, and they don't tell each other where they hurt. Here's my takeaways for you. The takeaways are, we sing to lift the gloom from our lives and focus on God's ability to protect, sustain us, and free us from the pain of this world. That's the challenge for you. We pray for the ability to see God's actions in the world. There's a hurricane season happening in the United States and tornado season, right, sorry. And destruction is everywhere. It happens every year. People rebuild every year. And yet people see God's actions in that. They see him. They know him. They recognize his hand. And we need to as well. The flooding that we've had in Ontario. All over the place. Places that you didn't even think of would ever flood. Like I never thought Bracebridge would flood. I canoed there as a kid. And yet God's there. And his people, as they worship, as they sing, and as they get out into the community, they make a difference. We take time to remind ourselves of what he has done in the past so that we might see how he is working in the presence. If we practice these three steps, it will help us keep moving towards God, even when we are depressed to the point of blindness. Trouble never, is never permanent, but God's love lasts for eternity. U2 is a music group for us old people. They have a song that they sing, and it says, being stuck in the moment. The body of Christ is stuck in a moment. That moment that they're stuck in is this moment of change. Like, this is the past. We want to hold on to this. And so as they hold on to the past, musically, uh, program-wise, you know, I, I can't believe the number of churches that I've been in that are running a program for 
say, teenage girls, where there are no girls who come. But every week they announce it and they pray that kids will come. Well, the program no longer relates to where the people are today. And they can't let it go because Aunt Martha started that. And so they keep it. That's being stuck in a moment. Part of what you do in evangelism is speak to those who aren't here yet. Therefore, you will continually need to learn a new voice. You will find a voice and you will continue to fine-tune that voice as the worshiping community of Christ. That means Zach has to keep growing. That means you have to keep on listening. That means that all of us have to be willing to exist for the benefit of those who aren't here yet. We sing what we sing because we don't know who will walk in the door. And you know, as much as I like, just as I am without one plea, most people have never heard that. That music does not relate to them. All of that music is bar songs, if you think about it. You take a mug of beer and you can do this to it. Okay? But that's not where the world is today. And the reason that it's bar songs is because the day that those music songs were written, those songs of faith were written, was they did evangelism in the bar. Luther spent his time in the bar. Calvin spent his time in the bar. And so they heard the songs that were sung in the bar and they put gospel to it so the person in the bar, when he showed up at church, would understand the music and relate to it and give their life to Christ. And we have to do the same thing. You have to do that. If you do that, you will teach, you will encourage, you will evangelize them, and you will never have to stand up in front to do it. You know, we tried to teach people for a long time how to do evangelism. You know, we taught the four spiritual laws. Anybody take the four spiritual laws? Yeah? Okay. Good tool, but most of us aren't effective with it. But together, we can be effective. Together, as we learn to worship, as this church finds its voice, as joy flows out of us. People will come and they will stay because God is here. That's my challenge to you today. I know nothing about music. I can't carry a hymn, a note in a handbasket, but I'll tell you, the music and the body of Christ when they sing have brought healing to my life over and over and over again. And when I'm in the darkest places, when I am broken, when I am no energy left, when I just want to quit, it is the body singing that makes the difference. Let's continue to worship together. Zach?